Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here once again to lead you through these hard times. Data with a instant reaction edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. And while this is an instant reaction show, it's not the fun type of instant reaction, the analysis style that we do after major pay-per-views. No, this is another, yes, another instant reaction podcast to a slew of WWE releases. WWE on Thursday, shortly after its quarter three earnings report, released 18 more members of its roster spanning both the main roster and NXT slash the Performance Center. We're going to talk about all of that momentarily. Uh, no, you know, special stuff today. Just a reminder, please, to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. And also, do not forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us those five-star ratings and reviews. Tell people why you love the show, um, why they should listen, why they should subscribe. And honestly, I hope that these instant analysis and instant reaction shows are one of the reasons that you guys uh, subscribe and listen to the program and tell your friends about it. Because, you know, even though we don't like doing them in this case, uh, we do find them to be important and newsworthy. And that's the whole goal of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast to inform and to entertain, not just the latter. We try to do both here. So with all of that out of the way, of course, Vintage Chris Vanini is here with me uh, to break this down. So Chris, of course, welcome to the show. But I, I kind of just want to get into it. Um, look, so WWE did another round of cuts uh, in this year, 2021. They have now released more than 70 professional wrestlers talent. That's not to mention, by the way, all of the front office cuts that they've done, like actual people who have office jobs in Connecticut, many of whom I am aware of, some of whom I've known and met over the years, really good people, hard workers. Um, but so WWE has, is undergoing a massive restructuring, but nowhere is it greater than to their talent roster. And I just want to, before we get into the releases, um, specifically these 18 releases that we're talking about from Thursday, I just want to read you a list of names I compiled of some of the talent that WWE has released this year in the last 10 months. Andrade, Braun Strowman, Aleister Black, Buddy Murphy, Ruby Riot, Bray Wyatt, Bronson Reed, Mickey James, The Iconics, and now Ember Moon, Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, Nia Jax, and Lucha House Party. Just like look at some of those names. That roster right there is, a, is enough for like a third tier wrestling promotion on its own just to have. And it's probably half of what you need to have a, a full-fledged promotion, like an impact wrestling. If you started with those names, you're halfway there, basically. Um, look, with many of these names, right, it's, it's not their fault. Uh, you know, there's some people where you could say, hey, look, it's not going to work. You know, not everyone's going to make it in WWE. There were 70 people that were released. Those were the 16 most notable um, or so that I just named. But throughout many of those, there is a common thread, Chris. That common thread is malpractice of creative and malpractice of talent management. WWE in the last 10 months has basically cleared out an entire I don't want to say generation of talent, but an entire era of talent, theoretically, that could have been brought in to sweep through the company and make it younger and more exciting and put the titles on new faces and really drive up just the energy surrounding the brand. 
Now, granted, this is a difficult and unique period of time due to COVID-19 and the pandemic. And at some point, some of these 70 releases may legitimately have been for budgetary reasons. But at this point, with the company still reporting record profits, or actually this quarter it was not record profits, but it was still $64 million, I believe, in pure profit, um, you do start to wonder what's happening. And when you see them clear out all of these names and you look at them, many of them are young. Some of them are not. Keith Lee, Aleister Black, Herring Cross, all three of those guys are 36, for example. And I say that as someone around that age. I know I'm not young anymore. I'm not washed yet, but I'm certainly not young. But you throw in Adam Cole leaving, Daniel Bryan departing, potentially others on their way out coming soon, like a Kyle O'Reilly and a Johnny Gargano. There's nothing official on that, but their contracts are supposed to end soon. You couple that with Andrade and Buddy Murphy and Bronson Reed, and you just have this entire group of talent that could have and should have been a new wave, like I said, coming in to refresh the roster. And now instead of that, Chris, you're just operating with the same people you've been operating with for years already. And when you look at NXT as it's comprised now, this new NXT 2.0 version, none of the fresh talent there is ready to be called up. I mean, yeah, maybe you could bring up a Cameron Grimes or I guess a Tommaso Ciampa or or individuals like that. But this new wave of talent that they're trying to cultivate and may eventually succeed in cultivating, I don't know, the Braun Breakers, the Tony D'Angelo's, names like that, they're at least one, if not two full years away from being ready for WWE proper. And none of this, by the way, is to mention that WWE may have other defections coming soon. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, their contracts are both coming up. People get injured all of the time. What happens, God forbid, knock on wood, if certain names we really like in WWE that are even poised to get pushed and be part of maybe a rejuvenation of their storylines? What if they get hurt? Others now may decide not to resign, even people that are long stalwarts in WWE. What's craziest about all of this is that WWE is doing it with another promotion in AEW, actively targeting younger wrestlers, top tier wrestlers, and just this overall younger demographic. I said 70 talents have been released. And the truth is, no one deserves to lose their job. I never root for anyone to get fired. But the truth is that 50 of those 70 probably would not have made it, or at least you could look at them and say, you know what? It's understandable WWE released them because their roster really was bloated. But that's 50 of 70. The shortlist I gave you earlier at the start of this rant, whatever you want to call it, was just 16 names, three of which are already in AEW, at least two more of which will surely show up soon in AEW, and four more on that list are already wrestling in other places. So Chris, you really wonder what WWE is doing here. They're actively hurting their product. They're actively angering and hurting their fans. They're taking their promotion, and we talk about all the time AEW building itself up as a face promotion. WWE is actively building itself up as a heel promotion. They're also hurting the immediate future of their product and brand. I'm not talking about what's going to happen on TV over the next four months. I'm talking about what's going to happen on TV over the next, you know, nine months to 18 months, over the next, you know, year to year and a half. Like they are, they don't have this young, new, fresh talent that gets people to watch and get excited about your program. And you just have had a draft 
you have two rosters now, and it's this. It, eventually, even if it's not right now, in a couple months, it's going to be the same people doing the same things over and over again on Raw and SmackDown because you're thinning out your roster to such a great degree. And not only, I'll, I'll end on this and let you get in here, Chris, not only are they actively hurting their own company and brand and product and roster, they're actively helping their competition, which is not only gobbling up the best names that WWE releases, but it's also re-signing its own talent, MJF and Darby Allen, who have absolutely zero reason to even consider letting contracts expire and go over to WWE. Not to mention other independent talents out there or people whose contracts may be expiring from Ring of Honor or Impact or even New Japan, where WWE may say, hey, we'd love to bring that person in. Well, if AEW is offering a contract and WWE is offering a contract at this point and the money is similar, why would you go to WWE unless it's a lifelong dream? So, Chris, from a overall standpoint, and, and I feel like we've had the same conversation numerous times, and please, thank you know, I appreciate you giving me the space here to kind of go on this rant, but it's confusing and it's perplexing. And in many ways, it's dumbfounding. Like, I still do not understand what WWE is doing here. Yeah, I, I wanted to let you go, and I know you hit on a million. I did not plan there. to go that long. I just want to. It's fine. Well, it, it, <laughs> it's sorry. an emotional. It's an emotional time. Whenever you see people that we follow and enjoy lose their jobs, and you know, we'll get into the specific names here in a minute. But I, I think there's such a larger story here in that what has been a huge wrestling boom has been a bit of a bubble and, and the pandemic certainly played a role and it's changing. Now we, we've seen what you, like you said, 70 talent, 70 wrestlers lose their jobs in WWE over the year on top of ROH essentially going away. We don't know when they'll come back. Uh, the, 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 the market has been flooded now with a ton of talented wrestlers and WWE is no longer in a position where they want to gobble everybody up to prevent something like AEW from happening because AEW is here. So, you know, I, I know everybody, the reaction is, Hey, you know, these people will get new wrestling jobs and we're happy for that. You know, it'll be fun to see them do this and that and whatever, but it's, it's, it's going to be a lot harder to, you know, make a living as a professional wrestler right now with, with, with the news that has happened here over the last handful of months. Um, as, as enjoyable as AEW has been, they can't sign everybody. They're no. already full. And, 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 and that brings me to the other issue with, with AEW is like, Oh, I want to see this person going to AEW. I want to see this person go to AEW. There are a lot of people who started with AEW took a risk to join the company who have been leapfrogged by a ton of new people. Absolutely. And, and you, you would like there to be some, loyalty for that i made this point a couple weeks ago about sammy guevara and as soon as i made that point he won the tnt championship so, <laughs> so that was good to see but he went several months without doing anything and you just you know it's it's tough there's only so many spots and there's a lot fewer spots now and yeah my reaction to the news is was sadness for that people losing their jobs and in, in the, the 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 market changing and wondering what the hell wwe is thinking for all the reasons you laid out like there's such a gap now you're either on the main roster or you're on nxt and you're like one or two three years away there's just a couple of guys in that in between so i i don't really know what the long-term plan is there L like you said we're just going to keep seeing the same people over and over 
and that's not good. You know, that's not good for the DV product. And, you know, I, I don't know if WWE is going to sell or not, but continuing and continuing to cut labor costs is a sign of potentially doing that. And I know, I think they had record revenue last year, but it wasn't record profit. There is a difference. I've seen some people saying, yes, there there were people, some people saying record profit. That was not the case. It was record revenue. Yes. And and people, it's it's an important clarification. And and there are certain wrestling quote unquote journalists out there who will tweet things like WWE made $254 million in revenue this quarter three, as if that alone is supposed to explain why they should keep talent on a bloated roster. No, uh, that's revenue. Revenue is not profit. Profit, by the way, was still massive. It's huge. It was $64 million. But that is something that you tout to say, hey, look, they just made $64 million. The combined value of the contracts they cut was, you know, I'm just going to throw out a total BS number here, $2 million, right? Or, or $3 million. And you say, well, why did they do that? Well, maybe their profit projection was $70 million. And they fell six million short of that, so they're meeting halfway and cutting three million in talent, you know, costs. Uh, again, I'm not saying that that makes it right. And if you're WWE or if I'm WWE, if I'm running WWE, I say, you know what? Yeah, we're gonna go over a couple hundred thousand dollars. So I keep Keith Lee on my damn roster because right. I'm never letting Keith Lee go. He's wrestling here until he retires. If I'm in charge of WWE, but I'm not. Um, and, and again, I don't know any of that to be the case. I'm just kind of spitballing here and and doubling up on your point, which is that revenue doesn't matter. Profit is what matters. WWE did make significant profit, but I don't know how it compared to their projections and whether that specifically led to any of this. But look, when we look at the list of names who have been released in that group, that that group of, you know, 54 or so that I mentioned prior to 52, I guess, I'm sorry, prior to the releases on Thursday. And I don't mean to call individuals out, right? But there, there were people released who were, for lack of a better term, trimming the fat a little bit, right? Arya Davari and Arturo Ruas, the Singh brothers, Kurt Stallion, Achillian Dane. These are people I like, Asher Hale, Ari Sterling, um, Kona Reeves, who had been there forever doing absolutely nothing, Giant Zangier, the Smith brothers, Denzel Desjournet. I mean, there were a lot of people released from the performance center who were not doing anything. There were people who got brought up to the main roster, Tucker and Lars Sullivan, Mojo Raleigh, Wesley Blake, Bo Dallas released who did they get the best chance to succeed? No, but were they huge losses for the company? Also no. So when you're, when you have a huge stacked stuffed roster trimming some talent, I hate it. I hate that they did it during a pandemic. It's there's no excuse for it. But some of them, you can, it's understandable. You can say to yourself, okay, I understand why they trimmed some fat here. But, but when it comes to people who can actively help your company move forward and succeed and be stars, and WWE likes to talk, or other people like to talk about how WWE is similar to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, you know what the Marvel Cinematic Universe doesn't do? Number one, it doesn't just get rid of characters for no good reason that people love. And if it does, it usually has a plan, like when they killed off Iron Man. Spoiler alert, in case you haven't seen Avengers Endgame. Um, the other thing they do is they have cohesive, coherent, long-term storytelling that WWE also does not have. So they right. can compare themselves to Marvel all they want. 
And I understand. Stephanie literally, Stephanie literally did that on the, on the call yesterday. Did she really? She, okay. She, I, I she said they're Marvel. But the they're thing not. is, the thing, the reason Marvel, again, the reason Marvel works, and it's, we don't need to get into the whole thing, but the reason Marvel works and the reason DC movies don't work is because Marvel develops characters. They don't develop brands. And Stephanie used the word brands. And that's been my whole problem with WWE is that they develop a character and they give you a couple of traits and that's the only thing you do. And you never evolve. You never act like a normal person. You got three things you do. And that's all you do. That's not what Marvel does. Look it, through the through 20 plus movies. Look how much Thor has changed and developed. Look at all the changes Natasha made and, and everybody changes and grows that's why Marvel works, because we connect with the characters. They just happen to be superheroes, but they tell great people stories. They're people first and superheroes second. DC does it the opposite. They're heroes first. They're they're gods. And people don't connect to it as much. That's why Marvel works. And that's, I, that's not what WWE does. So they compare themselves to Marvel, but they don't do what Marvel does. And that's always frustrated me whenever I see them make that comment as someone who is really into comics and stuff like that. Like, they're not doing Marvel. That's the problem. It's a great comparison, actually. I also love that you called her Natasha instead of Black Widow. It would be like, hey, you know, Natasha, Tony, yeah, and Steve. And that's exactly what... Natasha, yes, Tony, and Steve why. over there in Marvel. Exactly, because they're people. And Peter. We say Steve. We don't always say Cap. We say Cap. We don't call him Captain America. We say Tony, because they're people. <laughs> they're not just the superhero. That, again, that's another example of why Marvel does a really good job. And that's also, by the way, one of the reasons why WWE fans get so affected by these releases. It's very different than sports, right? Uh, your sports team cuts a player or a player doesn't re-sign with your team and you may get really disappointed. I certainly know that's happened to me numerous times throughout my entire life where um, either my team doesn't get the free agent signing I want or someone requests a trade or they don't get re-signed or they get cut in the middle of the season. And I'm like, what the hell? I love this guy. I have his jersey. You're getting rid of my dude, right? But that's all understandable in sports. People move on. The thing with sports is fans don't draw as much of a deep emotional connection with them because they don't really see, I mean, for football, they see them in college, right? Generally they're behind helmets and you, you know the name and you want them to succeed, especially when they get drafted to your team. But fans in sports don't necessarily draw the same emotional connection with athletes that wrestling fans do with wrestlers because so much of wrestling is about what goes on behind the scenes. It's about who's next, who's coming up, uh, who was really hot on the independence. And WWE, for an extended period of time, was signing some of the biggest names on the independence and bringing them into their rosters. Uh, Alistair Black being a great example. Keith Lee, who we're, we're going to talk about momentarily, I promise, being a great example. Andrade, you know, some of these names and, and, and developing others within their own system that you would see develop in NXT. And you would learn about their backgrounds and how they got here. And WWE's putting out documentaries of these people on its own network, Keith Lee being mm -hmm. a great example. And you're buying into the background and the history and you're rooting for these people to succeed. And you're seeing them on one show awaiting the opportunity for them to go to another show. Because even though you're scared that maybe the main roster creative may screw them up a little bit, you want them to get that money. You want them to get that contract and have that opportunity to be seen every single week on a nationally televised program and on pay-per-views and at WrestleMania and in the Royal Rumble. And then some of these people start to get tastes of that and you get really excited about their future. And then all of a sudden, for seemingly no good reason, the legs just get cut out 
right from underneath them. So let's get to talking about those 18 talents that were released. One other note I did want to provide here before we get into these individuals. Multiple reports have come out since the releases to note that at least five of the people we're about to talk about, probably more, were cut due at least in part to being unvaccinated. And that is a consideration here as we talk about these people individually. Perhaps some of the names that we're going to get exceptionally upset about being released were not vaccinated. And therefore, that creates a significant, at least for me, Chris, and I'll let you weigh in before we go through the names, that would create for me a significant level of understanding for releasing a talent. Because WWE is not only touring domestically, they're touring internationally. And you need to be vaccinated to travel internationally. You also need to be vaccinated to uh, wrestle and and entertain at numerous venues across the United States. I mean, literally the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nets right now are dealing with an issue where their star player, Kyrie Irving, is unable to play their home games because he's not vaccinated and vaccination is required throughout New York State. So if WWE is cutting people due to vaccination status, even though they're not going to say so publicly, I'm not necessarily saying I support it because, again, I don't like people losing their jobs. But do I understand? I absolutely freaking understand whoever those five or more people are. And we don't know who they're going to be. And I'm not going to speculate individually on who they're going to be. Um, But to me, that part of it totally makes sense. Yeah, and, and, the, and I mean, and the other part is that wrestlers don't have a union, and that's why in many other pro sports leagues, um, unvaccinated players are still playing with various restrictions because right. they have a union that negotiates that, and wrestling doesn't have that. So WWE can do whatever it wants, and that's what happens. Now, there were, there's been two releases out of these 70 that truly dumbfounded me. And one of them, you all know, was Aleister Black. It, I just, I couldn't take it. It didn't make a shred of sense why they would release him, given not just his immense talent that you're certainly seeing now as Malachi Black in AEW, but the fact that they were bringing him back with vignettes and they re-debuted him in a hot spot in the main event of SmackDown, taking out Big E with a black mask, and then days later, just cut the guy. And you're like, why the hell would you ever do that? It doesn't make sense, especially because they had just re-signed his wife. Well, the new number one on this list of 70 that is shocking and appalling to me. My sensibilities as a wrestling fan, my rooting interest as a human being, this is a person I've interviewed on this podcast, it's Keith Lee, who was with WWE for four years. And of course, they also released his fiance Mia Yim, who we'll get to as well. I wanna go over Keith Lee's career in WWE, and we're not gonna go long on all the talent, but Keith Lee, we are. So he signs with WWE, And his debut is a bit delayed. That happened mostly due to ongoing storylines on NXT. But just as he was finally getting used, he was in a feud with, at the time, Donovan Dijakovic. Again, a terrible name. Uh, But he was in a feud with him, and Keith Lee got hurt. He was injured. So they were supposed to have a two- or three-month feud. Keith wasn't able to continue it. And then in 2019, suddenly, he's off TV. He gets healthy. And he shows up, Chris, for that SmackDown invasion, where NXT had to invade SmackDown because WWE superstars were stuck in Saudi Arabia. (laughs) And all of a sudden, from that moment, over the next 10 months, 
This guy went on a freaking run in WWE, not just NXT, but WWE proper as well. I'm not saying that it's unmatched, but it is the type of run that someone goes on when you are making them your next big star, okay? This is what happened. So he shows up at SmackDown, does that invasion, and then he joins Tommaso Ciampa's team at War Games. The next night, after a sick match at War Games, he shows up as a member of Team NXT at Survivor Series 2019, where he is the last remaining member of NXT, and he goes one-on-one with Roman Reigns in what you could call the main event of that match. And Roman Reigns puts this guy over. Now, no, he didn't let Keith Lee beat him, but he put Keith Lee over in defeat. He made Keith Lee look... The most incredible spirit bomb I've ever seen. Correct. He made Keith Lee look as good as Keith Lee has ever looked anywhere. And I watched many of his independent matches and I loved him in NXT. But he made this guy look like an absolute beast by, like you said, Chris, taking maybe the greatest spirit bomb of all time just due to his size, the power that came down with it. It was such a moment. And then Keith Lee goes back to NXT and he becomes North American champion, which is a big title in NXT. And it's, it's really a title that, pe- that, that was going on a lot of people who would then get elevated to the NXT championship. Days after winning the North American championship, I think you're going to get a trend here. He participates in the 2020 Royal Rumble, where his entrance pops the crowd and explodes the stadium, only exceeded in the entire match by Edge. The only person who got a better reaction than Keith Lee in that whole match was Edge, which was an all-time Royal Rumble entrance. But the stadium explodes. Brock Lesnar. So now we have Roman Reigns putting him over in November. We have Brock Lesnar here in January watching this mammoth man walk to the ring. He goes, whoa, big boy. He mouths it and the camera's on him and they're putting Keith Lee over. And as Keith Lee's getting in the ring, you see Brock Lesnar mouth the words, who's this motherfucker? Because Keith Lee is a huge MFer. okay? He's a huge, strong, awesome looking dude. And he gets in the ring and they have a great fight. And I don't think Keith got eliminated by Brock. I don't remember exactly how it finished. But the point is, Brock Lesnar put him over. No, he didn't lose I, to him. But he put him over yeah. the same way Roman Reigns did. Yeah. So I, now I think have, Brock, I think, I think, I think Brock uh, knocked out Braun and Keith together at the same time. Okay, maybe something. Maybe. Because he was supposed to be yeah. dominant in that match. Yeah, but no, but it, it doesn't even matter. Great. No, it doesn't no, no. even it doesn't even matter that he got eliminated because of what Brock did for him in that moment. So then he goes back to, I mean, he never left NXT. He goes back to NXT. He wins the NXT title in July, 2020 and is the first double champion in NXT history. Now, all of this stuff that I just mentioned has happened inside of eight months in an eight month span, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, North American champion, NXT champion, okay? He relinquishes the North American title in storyline. Then he loses the NXT title less than 60 days later because WWE and presumably Vince McMahon and fans were so enamored with this man, they wanted to strike while the iron was hot and call him up to the main roster. All positives here, all right? We're heading in a great direction. He gets called up to the main roster. They changed his music. They were fixing it though. They had a new song coming. Okay, no problem. They changed his look. Not ideal. That can be overcome. 
because he immediately got put into a storyline with the WWE champion Drew McIntyre and the number one contender, Randy Orton. And he beat freaking Randy Orton at payback that exact same month that he dropped the NXT title. So then he comes to Raw. He's still on Raw. He challenges Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. They have a great match. If I remember, I think I gave it four stars. And he lost to Drew McIntyre. And then he gets scheduled for Elimination Chamber in February, I think, or March, where he's supposed to win the United States Championship off Bobby Lashley so that Bobby Lashley can win the WWE title. Here we are, okay? We are a full year plus or so of Keith Lee's life and career, and he is getting the ultimate push. Is it perfect? No, maybe it's not perfect because of the, the, you know, people were upset about the gear. That was really minor and didn't matter. They were upset about the song. They gave him a song eventually that was awesome. But here's this guy. He is the next big thing in WWE. They've done it all. He's ready to go. And then to no fault of his own or WWE's, he catches COVID-19. He has major complications with his heart from COVID-19. He's out five months. He's finally back. He returns to the ring. You can tell he needs to get his cardio back. He's a little bit rusty. That's fine. WWE puts him on TV once. He has a bunch of dark matches uh, from video, from fan video that we see of the dark matches. He looks like he's moving great. He comes back to WWE. They make him a third round pick in the WWE draft, I believe on night one. So they considered him one of the top people that they wanted drafted on one of those nights of the draft to say, this is a guy that we believe in on our roster. Then he re-debuts as Bearcat Keith Lee. People hate the nickname. I didn't really care. It's still Keith Lee on my television. He makes two appearances as Bearcat Keith Lee, both squash matches that he looked really good in, by the way. And then he gets released. Chris, I cannot make sense of this. It was WWE mad that he was out for five months? I can't, I can't assume that because they wouldn't have brought him back at all. Did they not think Bearcat was getting over or his new gimmick was getting? I don't know how they could say that. The guy was barely on television. He didn't even have a storyline. This is a guy they invested in across pay-per-views, across NXT, bringing him to the main roster and allowing him to have a pay-per-view match with Randy Orton. They did everything they could and this guy was getting huge reactions. And then he finally comes back just like Aleister Black did, although Aleister was not injured and he was out. He was ready to come back for months and WWE didn't use him. He finally comes back and they release Keith Lee. I cannot make a shred of sense of it other than, again, talent management malpractice. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what his contract was. I can't imagine it was humongous. You know, we, you know when Braun got released, a lot of you know reports said the size of his contract was a factor in that. Haven't heard anything of that with Kid Lee. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they figured we haven't made it work, so let's let him go. But that's completely on them that they haven't made it work and covid Getting COVID was obviously a, a factor in this. And look, Keith Lee is not the best promo guy. We know that. I've, we, we've talked about it in various shows, but he was getting better. The guy just does things that nobody else his size can do. And, and Vince is a Vince usually loves the big guys. He loves the big meaty men. Now, I don't know if, you know, muscle versus, you know, different kinds of weight, if that plays any role in the way Vince views guys. I don't know. But man, 
you know, we talked so much about big meaty men on the show and, and, and Keith Lee was among the biggest and the meatiest and could do freaking sunset flips from the, uh, uh, from, from the middle rope, like, like stuff that we just never saw a guy like that do. And I don't know how you mess him up. It's, it, it's honestly, it's a lot like, um, Ricochet who is still with the company, but just has never become what everybody thinks he can be largely through mishandling talent. And as for the timing, I don't know. We've seen several people get called up and then released starting a storyline released. There's clearly no rhyme or reason to any of this. And there, there's not long-term planning, which I, I, I can't figure out what those conversations are like, you know, how quickly they decide to release people and who they pick and how they do it. We don't know, but, None of it makes sense. And to let Keith Lee go makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. It's a complete, you're just letting one of the most talented dudes in wrestling go. And it comes back to what exactly do you want to be as a company? And I don't know. If you you want to be Marvel, this guy is Marvel. He's a superhero. Yeah. Yeah. He's a suit. He's he's legitimate. I mean, this is a, you have a Texas A&M football player, right? So you have the sports connection. Mm-hmm. He's large. He's a black man, which WWE cares much, seemingly very much about diversity recently. And you put him in your main event where he stood toe to toe and got big reactions against Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton, and Drew McIntyre and was going to beat Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. So... I I don't even think I don't even think that Keith Lee was mismanaged from a creative standpoint. Like, okay, people are going to point to, oh, they made him wear a, a shirt, and they initially changed his music, and then they made him bear cat. Uh, like, yes, those are not ideal scenarios, right? And the bear cat thing wasn't great. We certainly didn't love it, but it's not like he was running on that and it didn't work, you know, for months and he was in storylines and people weren't responding to it. He never even got a chance once he that, came back. When when he was yeah. on screen, they managed him just fine. Like they really did. When he was on WWE television, pre-COVID, before he caught COVID, there was really nothing at all wrong with his booking. Yeah, yeah. He even had the big meaty man monster brawl with Braun Strowman at that point where I think they mm-hmm. like went through the stage. I, I mean, nothing that happened with Keith Lee during that first call up was bad. Some of it was uneven a little bit and we were kind of waiting for him to get an opportunity, but he was waiting on that opportunity. He was about to have it with Lashley. And then he gets COVID and I can understand maybe when he's first coming back, being hesitant and not using him a lot and things like that. But look, I know for a fact Mia Yim is vaccinated. We're going to talk about her in a moment. You have to believe someone who had a life-threatening condition and illness from COVID probably was as well. So this is one of those. I'm not going to go individual by individual on who may or may not have taken the vaccine. But these two individuals seem like they most definitely did. So you can't even say that's as an, as an excuse. It's, it's just, it floors me. Like, again, there's other talent who have been released where I can say I get it. Even Andrade. I loved Andrade. I was so excited. Aleister Black on Andrade when they got called up to Raw. They were going to be this new era of Raw. You can at least say WWE is not good with not non-native English speakers or people who don't learn English well and are not able to cut very clear promos because the promo game is so important. And even though it made no sense for them to release Andrade, you could at least kind of say 
okay, maybe that's why. There's no okay, maybe that's why for Keith Lee. It doesn't exist. Very much the same with Aleister Black and very much the same with Bray Wyatt. The guy's maybe difficult backstage. Who cares? He sells a lot of merch. People tune in to see him. These are you things know who that else is difficult backstage? Like most wrestlers in history. Shawn Michaels I, I, was difficult backstage. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I can't speak to the interpersonal dynamics. I don't know what we don't know really what's behind a lot of this. I don't think anybody does. I, I also think with the Keith Lee stuff, like there, there is a, there is also a, a thing here where WWE has a timeline for wrestlers. And they do not deviate from that timeline. Like a, a guy who comes up, gets the Roman moment, gets the Brock moment, gets, you know, pins Randy Orton. You know, it, it's never like, let's get this guy to the top. It's like, all right, we'll put him at U.S. title. The guys have to take steps and steps and steps and steps up. And the problem is when you when you drag those things out for everybody, you know, by the time the moment comes, it's not the same. And also things can change and you may never get that moment. Like Keith Lee getting COVID. Like, you know, Braun Strowman that one fall when he was over like crazy with Roman, never got the title. And then it just kind of never became the thing. Like, they don't, they're, they're so worried about pulling triggers on guys and, and going all in on people early that they have to take this path. And then sometimes things pop up in this path and it changes everything. And it's frustrating a guy like Keith Lee who, in that, in those moments, was clearly could have been one of your top guys. But, you know, they had to he had to go through the path like everybody else does. And it and it was it was frustrating. Yeah, frustrating as always. And really, maybe the most prime example. And, you know, you asked me to add it to the soundboard a long time ago. Um, but now, I didn't think we'd use it as much as we do. I, maybe I should have known from the beginning, but it, it's maybe the most prime example of just typical. I cared about Keith Lee way too much, especially after interviewing him one-on-one. -on -one. I, I, I was such a fan of this guy. It mm -hmm. really hurt to see him go. All right, yep. let's, let's keep it's going. Up. Sorry, sorry. What are we, what are you well, real, real, real quick, real quick. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? What do you think if you had to pick somewhere, what do you think Keith Lee AEW, immediately. 90, 90 yeah. days, he shows up on AEW, huge star. Maybe the first yeah. black Not champion for AEW. Yeah, and at a place like AEW that needs more diversity in Absolutely. its wrestlers, especially people at the top. Not everybody can go to AEW, like you said, but he is a guy who makes 100% sense. Yeah, there are, there are certain people. I, I think Wyndham, Bar uh, Bray Wyatt, I almost called him Barry Wyatt. Uh, I think Wyndham's going to be showing up there. Um, it just seems like he's teasing it. I don't know if it's going to be this Wednesday, maybe at full gear. I think we're going to see Wyndham sooner than later. Uh, Keith Lee is a no-brainer. Absolute, positive, no-brainer. He's the, I think he's, the one man on this list. Uh, I'm not saying he's the only person that they will sign, but I think he's the one man on this list that is a no-brainer where Tony Khan, you open up the damn checkbook, you offer him whatever he needs to be offered, and he shows up. I, if I'm him, if I'm Tony, he shows up day one after those 90 days are up. Get him in there, elevate him into the main event, give him the TNT title. Maybe he's the one who beats Sammy, um, and then you turn him into a world champion inside of a year or two. He should, he should yeah. have already, if, if COVID did not happen, my hope would have been that he was already a world champion in WWE. And I honestly think he may have made it there. I do. Um, so I don't Maybe. understand the circumstances, but this is a world champion in AEW. They better jump yes. on it. Yep. Better, better jump on it. Uh, so we're going to talk about everyone else. We did go long on Keith and, and just everything in general. But Mia Yim, his fiance, she was also in WWE for four years. 
Uh, she was in the Mae Young Classic. They signed her out of that. She was always involved on NXT, frequently featured, but never won a title. She did get called up with Retribution as Reckoning. She made like three appearances with that. Uh, she left along with Keith when he got COVID. We don't know whether she did or not, but we do know that she took care of him for a long period of time. But she was ready to return and never did. WWE did drop the Reckoning gimmick quickly, but never re-debuted her. Uh, she changed brands three different times. And that's it. She just literally never got a chance on the WWE main roster. In NXT, I thought she had potential. I did not think she would come to the main roster and be a women's champion like I thought Ruby Riot, uh, Ruby Soho now had the potential to be, like I think Liv Morgan has the potential to be. And I'm not saying that has anything to do with Mia Yim's ability. It just didn't strike me as her being someone that WWE would push to that degree. But could she have been part of a successful tag team? Could she have been used? Absolutely. I have no idea why they would not use Mia Yim. She had a good gimmick, a good nickname. It all worked. They just never tried. Yeah, I, I don't know a ton about her. I didn't really watch her in NXT. I do remember watching her in Impact back in the day. But um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, so I've seen, I know she's extremely talented and in a women's division that is feels so thin, especially at the tag team non-existent division. Um, someone you certainly could have used and now they can't. Yeah, she's someone who, you know, I guess they're on different, they would have been on different brands. I could have easily seen them pairing her with like, like Naomi and been a really fun, interesting, cool tag team. Um, others that they could have done that with, just didn't do it. Uh, also, Karrion Cross was released, as was Scarlet, by the way, both with le less than two years in WWE. So Karrion Cross comes in, wins the NXT title three months after debuting, gets injured in that match. By the way, he beat Keith Lee for the title. The whole point was to transition it. So Keith Lee goes to the main roster, Karrion Cross takes over NXT. But he gets injured in that match, has to relinquish the title. Um, then he returns four months after returning, wins the NXT title again. This guy is undefeated in NXT. And while he's undefeated in NXT, somehow, some way, WWE main roster gets wind of him, gets a whiff of him and says, we want to bring this guy to the main roster. So he gets called up to Raw while still NXT champion. But what made Karrion Cross so great in NXT, he's not an incredible wrestler. He's fine in the ring. He has a presence about him. That's okay. But what made him so interesting was the presentation. He had a great entrance with a lot of smoke and dark lights and red lights shining on him. Scarlet frequently wearing leather or really tight clothes uh, right by his side the entire time showing off her beauty. Uh, you know, hard ca uh, uh, camera angle coming up from the bottom so that he looked menacing and strong, unique graphics. They had this whole great presentation that they did with Karrion Cross, And he debuts on Raw and he gets none of it. He gets the music, but he's standing in the middle of this huge entrance ramp by himself, no smoke, no lights, no special camera angle, and worst of all, no Scarlet. That's the most action I've had all year. And that is really all that needs to be said. He had no action from there going forward. He loses his debut match to Jeff Hardy in two minutes. He loses again a couple of weeks later to Keith Lee before finally, I guess, beating Keith Lee, I think. Or maybe it was the other way around. Then he drops his NXT title, finally. And I think, uh, I don't even remember how he lost it. I'm so upset. A fatal four-way match or something like that. Whatever. 
he lost the, oh no, he lost to Finn Balor. He yeah. lost the title to Finn Balor. Yeah. Yep. I'm sorry. Uh, loses the title to Finn Balor. So now he's fully WWE. He's able to come up and they re-debut him. I mean, not re-debut, but they went all in with re-debuting him or giving him a gimmick with like a gimp mask and a gladiator outfit that was the most ridiculous thing I've seen on WWE television in years. Then they do the draft. We haven't seen him since, I don't believe. And they start airing a couple of vignettes and backstage interviews where he's wearing a suit and he's looking cool and normal again. But even though they're doing that, they're still bringing him out there in the gladiator outfit. He's off TV for two or three weeks. And I said to you, I think on the podcast last week or the week before, Chris, we haven't seen Keith Lee or Karrion Cross in a couple of weeks. I wonder if they're going to re-debut Karrion Cross and give him a new gimmick. Guess what? They reportedly were going to do that. They were going to drop the gladiator shit. And then they released him. Scarlett, even though she's a wrestler, by the way, and wrestled in Impact as Scarlett Bordeaux, never wrestled a single match in WWE or NXT and never even got to appear on WWE main roster television. So do I think this is a massive loss and the WWE screwed? No, this does not compare in any way to Keith Lee, Aleister Black, Andrade, any of those people, because Karrion Cross's ceiling was limited. But this was perhaps, actually definitely, an even bigger misuse of creativity and more creative malpractice with Karrion Cross because they had a guy who actually had a ready-made gimmick in NXT. He could have come up exactly as he was with the same music, the same look with Scarlett by his side. She was not hurt or injured, didn't have COVID, nothing. They don't do that for him. They give him an even worse gimmick and then they fire both him and his wife. I th- ser- whatever you think of Karrion Cross, and I know he was a bit polarizing in NXT. This is the worst call up uh, debut I think WWE has ever done. You laid it all out there. Literally, they took everything away from him that was interesting, and gave him something everybody would treat as a joke. And, I mean, we talked about the entrance. In NXT, the camera was always low and close to him, so he looked huge. In Raw, the camera's far away and panning out, so you see the giant screen. He looks tiny. I can't understand anything about this presentation. The dude had no shot at getting over, and I feel bad for him on that front. I don't know what the heck happened with the Scarlet thing. Like... Nobody has ever gotten less of a chance to succeed on the main roster than Karrion Cross did. Just, just flat out in terms of where they came from in NXT being the NXT champion. Just yes, yes. absolutely baffling. I don't, who I mean, I assume Vince McMahon made these decisions, but holy crap, man! Like nothing has ever shown a a a, a lack of understanding than that packaging for Karrion Cross. Holy crap! Yeah, you're right. He, he was dead on arrival. Doa. He was. That that is yeah. It, it is the pro- most prime example of being DOA, carrying cross coming up like that without Scarlet didn't make any sense. All right, more releases. Uh, they released Nia Jax, uh, a w- Raw Women's Champion, two-time Women's Tag Team Champion. She had spent eight years in WWE. Also, of course, cousins with The Rock. Um, slightly surprised by this with Nia Jax, but I think it's fair to say. She was brought up too early from NXT. She was she was too green when she joined the main roster. And the truth is that even on occasion 
when we started liking something she did, she still just did not show the in-ring or promo improvement to say, this is a woman that we trust being around our other talent. I think they gave her as long a leash as they possibly could. Again, when I go over these people individually, I'm not saying anyone ever deserves to lose their job. But in a situation like this with her, I can understand. I should also note, we are not calling out individuals regarding the COVID stuff or anything like that. However, Nia Jax and Karrion Cross had both been vocal on their public social media accounts with certain stances regarding COVID and masks and things like that. So could that have played a role into those? Maybe. I do not know that for a fact. But to release Nia Jax, to see her name on the list was certainly surprising. Yeah, I mean, the complete opposite of Karen Cross. She, you know, was given every opportunity. And and, and they right. did a lot with her. You know, the, the, the Alexa Bliss WrestleMania 32, 34 story was really good. And, and, and she provided something as a bigger woman in a world of largely smaller women on the roster. Um, you need that just diversity of styles and body types. And they tried for a while. And there were, you know, instances where she wasn't safe. She's the one who punched out Becky Lynch. And led to the, you know Becky Lynch's rise, but she still broke her nose. You know they had the, they had the deal with Charlotte a couple weeks back. Um, so uh, I, I'm still certainly surprised by this, considering she has been you know in the picture for a long time. Um, but you know, unlike Karrion Cross, you know they did do a lot with her and try to do different things. And, um, and and again, the women's roster, which is not deep, continues to get smaller. And by the way, I have said this before. I think I notably said it for Fandango and Tyler Breeze, but not everyone is going to be in WWE forever. Like the average length of an NFL career, we say this all the time, is 3.3 years. The average length of an NBA career is 4.5 years. In WWE, if you make it beyond three years, that is longer than a lot of people have been in WWE historically. You don't get a lifetime job just because you work for a company. So there are some things that are very surprising. Carrying Cross being fired after less than two years and being mishandled the way he was. There's others on this list that have been with WWE for short periods of time. Oh, shit. All right, hold on a second, okay? All right. I got to kill this thing. It it crawled across my foot. That's why I got so scared. Oh, jeez. If I just saw it, I I wouldn't have gotten scared. I felt something. I mean, I would have. (laughs) All right, sorry about that. A, A huge spider, not even exaggerating, ran across my foot while I was... In the middle of that, it completely distracted me. Uh, Chris, <laughs> where was I, dude? I don't even remember what I was saying. You were you were talking about uh, uh, t- time in the league. I guess if you're in Florida, I'm in Texas. We don't get winter, so periodically big spiders pop up. And I've had a couple pop up in my garage, so I am with you oh. on uh, on that reaction to being a bit scared. I can't even imagine. I thought maybe like a napkin from my desk fell and landed on my foot or something like that. And then I look, and it's running across it. Holy crap. Okay, so look, I, I said what I said. Uh, so carrying cross, someone like him, Scarlet, being cut after less than two years, that's a total surprise. But when it comes to like the Fandangos and the Tyler Breezes and other people who, you know, are in WWE for an extended period of time and eight years for Nia Jax is an extended period of time. Um, I'm not saying that it, it, it's okay for them to be cut or anything like that, but they had a job for a really long period of time and they had multiple opportunities and they were utilized. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. And some people are not lifers. Some people are only meant to be in WWE for a certain period of time. And 
I think it's kind of fair to say that maybe she hit fit that, you know, role. Um, moving on a couple more. B Fab, a member of Hit Row, just got called up to SmackDown, reportedly just signed a new deal. Uh, man, maybe WWE really does hate factions because she was a key piece of what made Hit Row so unique. It was three men and a woman and her aesthetic, you know, adding her aesthetic to the group. You know, she's on the song. She, I think she does like the chorus of the song. So it's just really strange. She's also a real rapper. So they, they cut one of like two real rappers in that group. Um, I don't get that. Uh, it's shocking. Maybe there's something behind it that we don't know. But man, that's a loss. Like that, it feels like it's an unnecessary release. There's no way she was making enough money where they needed to cut her. I just, I don't get it. Right. right. And she only has a 30-day non-compete, which meant she was still on the NXT deal. Again, calling someone up and letting someone go, I don't get it. There's there's no there's no planning here. And it, that's it's a it's a really bad look. And and I hope, you know, we'll see what happens with Hit Row moving forward. But geez. Yeah. Geez, that is a tough, tough. It's not start. a good start. I mean, look, New Day survived with three, right? Others have survived with three, but not a good start. Um, she was very green in the ring, though, by the way. She was not ready at all to wrestle. So maybe they said, hey, look, we called her up. She can't wrestle, but you know, with our other talent. What purpose does she have? Because WWE generally does not have managers. They just don't. Um, so maybe that was part of it. Lindsay Dorado and Grand Metalik, the two remaining members of Lucha House Party, both released, but both of them asked for their release. So a different scenario here. Glad that they got what they wanted. Uh, Grand Metalik, an incredible high fly wrestler, uh, gained a little weight in WWE. I'm just telling you what I saw. Um, probably just because he wasn't being used and wasn't wrestling as much. But Grand Metalik, uh, we haven't done this with other, other people, so I should know it. I'm sorry. Uh, Karrion Cross, Scarlet, do not see them in AEW. Maybe they catch on with Impact again, or they hang out in the independents. Uh, Nia Jax, I don't see her going anywhere. Um, maybe Impact, but I would be very surprised if that happened. Did you have any thoughts on those two or B-Fab before we continue? I, I mean, Karrion Cross and Scarlet back to Impact would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Nia, I'm not really sure. Because she's one of those, I believe, just WWE only people. Um, she is. So I, I, that she one, was I don't a model. Really know. She was a fashion. Yeah. Model so before. yeah, right. So maybe it's back to that. I, I don't know. She, she, she like kind of like kind of like with Lana. Like she'll probably have some a lot of options outside of Possibly. wrestling too. Re- regarding Lindsay Dorado and Grand Metalik, you know, I don't know what they want to do. Their their lives. Um, they're obviously both Mexican, so I don't know if they want to go home, if they want to stay in America or North America, I mean, uh, sorry, the United States. I got that wrong three times. Um, in the United States or not. Graham Metalik, though, I mean, he could easily sign with AEW. Lindsay Dorado could also. Metalik has been one of those opponents that Daniel Bryan has wanted to wrestle for years. So whether that's him going somewhere like AAA and Bryan going down there, or AEW bringing him up for individual matches or signing him, I don't know exactly know what they're going to do. Um, but those guys, I think, would have the potential to go to AEW. I just don't know that they would. I don't think... AEW needs more luchadors right now. We also had Ember Moon, who was in WWE for seven years, which is actually hard to believe that she was there that long. She was out for a long time recently due to injury, finally came back, redebuted in NXT, found her footing again, and then NXT changed. It went away from the black and gold brand that we knew, and it got to this new NXT 2.0 deal. Um, you know, she didn't fit necessarily there. She was losing. It seemed like she was losing to start a storyline. I was getting excited about that. But, you know, obviously that didn't work. I, I still am perplexed as to how she was not a success on the main roster. She has a great name, had a great look. She's incredible in the ring. 
Is she a great promo? No, but you can hide that as has been hidden with many people, male and female in the past. Uh, Ember Moon to me is a absolute no brainer signing by AEW. The the two that really make the most sense for AEW out of the names I've listed, listed so far are Keith Lee and Ember Moon. I just think it's an obvious deal. You need to pump up that division. She has immense talent. She could fit in the same way Ruby Soho has. Um, I just, I cannot believe she was never a success in WWE. She had all of it. Uh, Frankie Monet got released. It seemed like they never knew what to do with her in NXT. She is on the older side for a new female signee for WWE, just like Mercedes Martinez was. Mercedes Martinez was released in the last batch of stuff that went around. So it was always start and stop with Frankie Monet. It just never really made a lot of sense. The truth is she should have been sent straight to the main roster when she signed, or at least once NXT changed from the black and gold to this new version, she should have been part of the WWE draft and brought up to the main roster. I mean, her husband, John Morrison, is of course on Raw. Um, so I, you know, I don't know whether that was an impact or a reason um, that they signed her in the first place, but she's a super talented rest wrestler. Uh, Taya Valkyrie, as most know her, and she's going to find somewhere to land softly, whether it's AEW, back at Impact, somewhere else. Um, I have no doubt that Frankie Monet is going to end up somewhere. I just think they mismanaged her entire career, and it was very short. She was only in WWE for a few months. They just mismanaged the use of her. Um, I think she did have a title match. Uh, she was, you know, moved up into that area of the card one time. She did look slow when she was wrestling, but I just think that's because she was working with young talent. So yeah, she should have easily been on the main roster, could have debuted right there. They could have even put her with John Morrison and done something cool. They decided not to do that. And now Frankie Monet is gone. Uh, Eva Marie was released. They did all those vignettes for her over multiple weeks. They did the do drop angle. Let's be honest. We knew it wouldn't work. We knew Eva Marie was bad. There's no less of a surprise on this than Eva Marie. Uh, Oni Lorcan was cut. He was a former NXT tag team champion. Look, hate to use the terminology. He's a really good hand. He's a good, fun wrestler in the ring. But this is not a guy that is going to become a superstar on the main roster. And he was never really going to be more than what he was in NXT, which was part enhancement talent, part guy who can get other people over. And he had a pretty long NXT career. So I'm glad he had that opportunity. I know he's going to succeed on the independents. Maybe he potentially winds up in um, AEW. I could see possibly as one of those guys that is always on dark and stuff like that. But I just don't really think that's going to happen. Harry Smith, the son of the British Bulldog, uh, he made one appearance in a dark match, cut a promo backstage and never even made it to TV. He was supposed to be in NXT UK. I think once there was travel clearance allowed uh, from the UK to the US, they decided to bring him to the main roster instead of NXT UK. But he was supposed to be like a big star on NXT UK. And maybe they even planned, I don't know this to be fact, maybe they, they even planned for him to be the one to take the NXT UK title off Walter. I'm not sure. Um, but certainly Harry Smith, again, signed, barely used. Don't know where he's going to go. I, I, you know, I don't think he's anywhere AEW impact, anything like that. Uh, Chris did need to step away for a moment, but he is back, Chris. I went over the releases of uh, Lucha House Party, Ember Moon, Frankie Monet, Eva Marie, Oni Lorcan, and Harry Smith. Did you have anything you wanted to say about them? 
Yeah, I mean, the Ember Moon stuff, it's kind of like what we talked about where someone who has been in WWE for a long time and just kind of hadn't gotten that breakthrough moment and just kind of seemed to be in the same place for a while. Um, Ember's awesome. It was awesome to see her come back from her injury. Um, but considering she was in NXT for so long and hadn't moved up, kind of felt like maybe it wasn't going to go anywhere from there. But she's incredibly talented. She is someone who would be great for AEW. You know, talk about... Um, Someone who can really go, someone who can also help increase the diversity of that roster. Eva Marie, you know, I was a big fan when they brought her back. I know everybody hated it and for obvious reasons, but I thought there was such an opportunity to use her to basically just get heat. Like she gets heat and that's hard to do in wrestling. Now, yeah, her wrestling ability, not really there. She works as a manager. There's a lot of different things they could do. They tried some things. The do drop stuff never ending, never helped. Not surprised in the end that this is what the company decided to do and obviously she will have plenty of opportunities outside of wrestling to, to get back into that stuff um only lorkin you know i loved him and danny birch as a tag team you know you talk about the, the heyday of nxt tag team wrestling which you know i think at one point was the best wrestling in the world um him and him and him and uh, danny birch were a great tag team up there with everybody else up there with with F, with the revival with, with diy with them um you know i'm sure he'll land somewhere too so uh tough to see some of these go but also you know considering they're in a nxt not surprising all right a couple more names here uh, jesse camia she was cut after four years in nxt uh, she was part of that robert stone brand with frankie monet so if you're getting rid of frankie uh getting rid of jesse you know i guess i understand why they did it she just never really seemed to catch on and she did have a lot of opportunity to do so uh, Katrina Cortez, similarly, she wasn't there as long, but, um, just never really caught on. Didn't seem like someone they were going to invest in Jeet Rama. He was in NXT in the performance center for seven years. They really tried to make something of him. He's 40 years old. Again, it just didn't really work out. And then two other releases that were truly, truly surprising to me for completely different reasons than the other names that I mentioned that are surprising. The first is Zeta Ramir, who wrestled in the independence as AQA and was trained by Booker T. I'm not exactly sure what her age is, but she's in her very early 20s, I think. She made her TV debut in April, and she was impressive. Every She was mostly used as enhancement talent, but everyone she wrestled, you came away from the match saying, man, I think Zeta Ramir has a chance to be something eventually. And I don't know why they wouldn't give her the time and you know, attempt to make something out of her. So very, very surprised to see that. And then Trey Baxter, who was Blake Christian on the Independence, they signed him in February. He was a pretty hot free agent uh, coming out of Impact, I believe. He also did some stuff in New Japan. He's dating Cora Jade, who is still in NXT. I believe she's the youngest member of the entire roster. They even did an on-air storyline uh, about them dating and being together. So it seemed like they were going to go in some direction with them but they just never did it. And now they've released Trey Baxter. This is a young, talented dude. I think he's a no-brainer. You're Someone you're going to see on AEW. Is it going to be dark? Is it going to be for one-off matches? Or is he going to get signed? I don't know the answer to that. But he's going to have plenty, plenty of opportunities. So look, in totality, you know, there, there's certainly a bottom half to these releases where we look at them and we say, maybe people didn't even know who they were or, or weren't used to them being on television. Um, or didn't know their names. And, and it's like some of those others I mentioned in that group of 52 that preceded this of, you know, okay, you know, 
bottom of the barrel or bottom end newer talent that you've signed as as trainees and you're going to give them a shot and maybe it doesn't work out and that's okay. And there's also that group, again, of people who have been there four, five, six, seven, eight years and they got an opportunity. And for one reason or another, maybe it's WWE fault, creative fault, the talent's fault, whatever, injury. Um, Sometimes things just don't work out. But then there's those individual names that really stand out to you. Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, Scarlett, to some extent, Mia Yim, uh, and Ember Moon. Ember Moon is just such a shocker that she did not work in a company where they embrace diversity and they embrace top tier women's talent and wrestling and, and uniqueness and characters. She had all of those things. And I'm just shocked to have seen Ember Moon get released as well. So look, 18 talents that we mentioned here. Um, none of them, obviously, it doesn't feel good. I'm excited that some of them will have opportunities to really show what they can do elsewhere. For the rest, it's going to be difficult. And that's super unfortunate, of course. Um, But I obviously wish them the best. I know you do as well. And I'm just kind of curious really to see what develops from here on out with particularly from more than anyone else, Keith Lee, but also for Ember Moon as well. Yeah, and and, and you mentioned this at the beginning of the show, but but WWE is like a heel company in the eyes of a lot of fans right now. But just by continuing to go through these cuts... How many how many times have we talked about, you know, WWE needs some better PR, like just better. It, it's been a dour quite a bit of time. You know, there's been reports about poor morale backstage and stuff. And just if you keep cutting people over and over and over, like like you said, when it comes to, hey, a Dan O'Brien has options. Hey, uh, uh, you know, somebody else has, has options. They're not going to pick WWE. And, and that's in the law. Lo- that's where you're doing real long term damage of. Are you are, are you going to just make your entire roster up of people who come through your NXT system and do it a certain way and that's it? Or like it's long term WWE's future. I don't know what it holds. I don't know if they're going to sell. I don't know what the plan is. I don't know what they want to do. Like AEW, we have our you know critiques of it from time to time, but we know what they want to do. They just want to get people at wrestlers that fans like throw them in the ring together and have them do fun matches. The long-term storytelling isn't quite there. There there are issues, but their general idea is, Hey, this is the thing that a lot of fans like, let's do it. Like that's just the vibe of AEW and you're developing an incredible amount of loyalty from that. While WWE just continues to throw people by the wayside, all in the name of budget cuts and the stock price and investors like, that that's a heel company. And so it's it's just it's 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 a real interesting dynamic. And you know, long term, I don't know what WWE looks like in the long term. It's a great question. Um, you know, I, I don't think that based on these releases, any direct WWE booking plans were impacted, which is interesting because in the last few rounds of releases, it's directly impacted the current product, like things that were actively happening. Even Keith Lee, he was obviously on TV, but didn't have anything on TV that was a storyline for him yet, right? So I don't think it's going to hurt them in the very, very near future. But again, you look out nine months, 18 months from now, and you see that people aren't really get called up, getting called up. And if they are, maybe it's a Cameron Grimes and a LA Knight. And if they do that, then all of a sudden NXT is super thin. And you just kind of look around and you say, what is there really to get excited about from a talent standpoint, a young talent standpoint, an up and coming talent standpoint in WWE right now? 
when a lot of these other names um, who either haven't gotten opportunities yet on the main roster, um, and when I say haven't gotten opportunities, I mean have not been put into full-time main event roles, a Sami Zayn and a Kevin Owens, who both will wrestle in the main event, but are not, Kevin Owens especially, but are not frequently like champion, right? Like they're not among that top tier of talent. But you say, well, who's going to be the next people who are going to be in that group? Like when are, when's the next fresh champion that we're going to get? When are the next fresh tag team champions we're going to get? Like, do you remember? Like they brought up the Street Profits. That was exciting. They brought up FTR uh, when they were the, the revival. They brought up American Alpha. All these teams would come in and you're like, oh my God, this is so cool. We saw them in NXT. Who are those teams and people now? They're mm-hmm. gone. They're all released. And those that are left, some of them may not renew their contracts or may not even get called up at all, even if they do renew their contracts. So we're in this really weird spot right now. Um, look, this show has gone on a little bit longer than we wanted it to. We can discuss additional fallout, by the way, um, on our Tuesday WWE show. But because this was a very negative show and the news was negative, I want to leave on a piece of good news, okay? Because as we were taping this, uh, Mackenzie Mitchell, the NXT backstage correspondent, announced on Twitter that she is officially engaged to Vic Joseph, the NXT play-by-play man. So very good news. Congratulations to both of them. Let's end this show at least on a positive note. Um, Man, I'm kicking your coverage there, uh, Vic. Good good for you, man. Uh, Great (laughs) job. Um, But no, seriously, they both seem like awesome people, both on TV and off. They both have really cool uh, presences on on social media. They seem like they enjoyed themselves and their lives and and people, and they're very nice, and and the product as well. So it's cool to see them get together and get engaged. Congratulations, of course, to both of them. Is there anything else you wanted to say kind of before we get out of here? Uh, no, no, I mean, it was, it's, it's a tough end of the week, uh, for wrestling, but, you know, Rampage tonight, SmackDown tonight, expecting some good shows, so we'll see if things turn around next week. Yeah, let's hope next week, uh, starts and ends better than this week. So, for Vintage Chris Manini, this is the Silver King Adam Silverstein reminding you to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Drop that five-star rating and review for us on Apple Podcasts. Those are very important. But with all of that out of the way, I'm going to leave you with three final words. Bye for now.